When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome into another week and another edition of the Strictly Stripes podcast. Muhammad Ahmad back at it with Andrew Gillis and Mike Nislick as the Browns, or the Bengals. I was thinking of the Browns because the Bengals defeat the Browns in Sunday's game 23-10. to They snap their five-game losing skid as the Battle of Ohio is back in the hands of Cincinnati. Before we set the stage for this week, folks, I haven't said this in a while, but make sure you sign up for Cincinnati Football Insider. We cut through all the clutter of social media. You get everything you need to know about the Bengals here first, before Twitter, before anyone else. Make sure you sign up. Go to cleveland.com slash Bengals. You'll see that blue banner at the top of the page where you sign up. Find it. Click on it. Join us. We would love to have you on. And so setting the stage for this week, of course, we can't overlook the fact that the Bengals went from having one of the cleanest injury sheets entering last weekend's game against Cleveland they having a lot of question marks, and to go down the list, the biggest one, of course, being Trey Hendrickson. We mentioned it to you on the post-game podcast Sunday. He has uh, a wrist injury. Zach Taylor didn't officially rule him out. He is not going to put him on the injured reserve, and he's going to see how he does uh, week to week. As for Joseph Osai, who's right behind him on the depth chart, he has a shoulder injury, according to Taylor. That's also going to be something to look at during the week. As for Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins, uh, Boyd, as you remember, left after just two snaps on Sunday. Higgins played one snap, didn't go back in because of uh, hamstring issues that came up in the pregame. For Boyd, it's a dislocated finger, according to Taylor. With Higgins, it's just hamstring injuries, like I mentioned, or issues, rather. Uh, for both of them, they're going to be day-to-day during the week. Uh, as for Hayden Hurst, who didn't even play Sunday uh, because of a calf injury, uh, Taylor said they will see where he's at, and that's going to be week-to-week. So that's a lot there, uh, especially when you're in the uh, biggest home stretch with four games left this season. You know, the most concerning position, obviously, is uh, that side of defensive end where Hedrickson plays because him and Osai play on the same side. The person right behind Osai is Jeff Gunter, who's mostly either been injured or inactive this season. The only big play he had was a blocked field goal he had against Miami. So I think it's safe to say we're probably not going to see Hedrickson this weekend. But if you don't have Osai... How troubling is that? Like, how big of a deal is that? Well, it's just depth issues at that point. I mean, you're going to have, assuming that Sample, Gunter, and and, um, uh, Hubbard are healthy, you only have three defensive ends on the roster who are actually healthy. So, you know, Lou, uh, he seemed a little bit more maybe pessimistic is the word about the way, uh, about Trey Anderson's status for this weekend. Like, I asked him specifically, like, 
is it's a right wrist injury with Hendrickson. So I asked him like, is that better that it's his le- that it's his right wrist because his left hand is the one that goes down. It's his outside hand, and he's making contact on his inside shoulder and his inside hand. But you know, Lou kind of countered with, well, he's you know he still can't grab. Like if you have to club that thing up. If you have to wrap it, you can't grab, you can't do the things you would do as a defensive lineman. So he kind of seemed pretty pessimistic about that, just about you know what you could reasonably do, even if you are going to kind of wrap that thing up. Like, I mean, like you've seen those clubs, those things are massive, but you, you can't really do anything with your hands. So you've only got one defensive end on the practice squad right now. It's Raymond Johnson the third, uh, played at Georgia Southern, two years of experience. Oh, and um, Carney would like a word. Owen Carney. They just added him. I oh, think they a just few weeks ago. they just added him. Okay, well he's. Oh, it was technically on the. Okay, so that's why I missed him on the uh, on the practice squad. He's technically listed as an outside linebacker. But okay, so Owen Carney. Um, you have a rookie from. He's a rookie from Illinois. Um, obviously, no game experience. So th- that's a troubling position. Um, it got kind of a few chuckles in the in the room. Um, but I asked about you know I asked about the strategy like when you when you lose a guy like that. How much do you have to veer from what has got you to this point? But also kind of understanding you don't have Trey Hendrickson. Do you blitz more? Lou just kind of brushed that off. But I wonder how much that changes things this week when you don't have a guy like that, but you don't have the depth. Like, how much do you have to dial up pressure? So this is going to be a really interesting week health-wise, just kind of seeing who's a practice. And, um, yeah, it's not not exactly the best scenario for the Bengals, uh, especially on that front right now. And, of course, they had Khalid Kareem, but he was picked up by the Indianapolis Colts, so you lose him, and you add um, whom, you know, uh, Mike mentioned, so they could have had him. Owen before. Carney. Guys are just disrespecting yeah, him Owen Carney. Left, left and right. <laughs> but, I, you know, I, what, what the, the other element of it, and you mentioned that Lou was pessimistic about it, and that I, did, I, do, I did sense that, but the idea that Trey Hendrickson played the entire second half, and now you're going to ask him to sit for a couple of weeks. That's going to be a hard conversation because when you do club those things right. up, you can play through it. I mean, you've seen that yeah. time and time again with defensive ends. You know, yes, maybe you're less effective and you can't yeah. do some of the things you want, but are you able to play? And with a guy like Hendrickson, you know, it's not a hamstring where you're limited your mobility, yeah. right? Um, you know, will he be willing to sort of give up those three games to sort of see the long-term view, especially – when a first seed's in sight, it, yeah. you know, it, oh, it were yeah. a buy. Um, so those are going to be interesting conversations. I know sometimes players have to, you kind of have to save them from themselves. Yeah. But if it's something that can't get worse, is Trey going to be like, well, then why am I not on there? Yeah. I mean, it, you know, is he at 80% better than a Jeff Gunther? Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's like, it's, it, and, and probably. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah but, but I mean, like, so, um, you know, uh, that's the, the like you said, do they just say put their foot down and say you can't play? We don't want you risking anything. But if the trainers say there's no risk, if it's in a cast and he can play, is he willing to sit? You know, right. that those are things you don't know. And, and um, he's not one to share much with the media. I don't know if he'll talk this week at all. Yeah. Um, I asked him about that neck stinger he suffered, and he's like, I don't want to talk about that. And that was weeks after it happened. Um, just in terms of like, how does that feel? You know, like I've never had a stare or like, what, what goes through your head? But so yeah, it'll be something to watch as kind of the week goes on. The I'm glad you brought up the Higgins thing because you know the Bengals have kind of shown that they're not afraid to sit players down if they think it's in the best interest. But a hamstring is different than a hand because like Trey Hendrickson can run at full speed. He can make hits with his left shoulder and his right shoulder. It's just a you know problem is it's the aspect of you can't 
be as effective of a pass rusher as you. Well, because he's got guy would loose. You know, you got guys grabbing him and holding him, and they've complained about that all season. That you can't. Get how do you rip him yeah. off you if you can't use your one? Hand, right. You know, you're down to one hand. Um, but you're still healthy. You know, in, t- yeah. in terms of like, I think the risk is 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 is. Will it make the injury worse? If there's any question like that, then obviously he sits. But if they say, you know, if it's in a cast, what are you going to do to it? That's um, true. You know, you're probably going to hurt more people than you can hurt yourself. Right, for but, sure. But, um, you know, it's how, risk versus reward. And um, you got obviously some, you know, big games coming up. And against quarterbacks, you want to put pressure on. You want to put pressures on the Tom Brady's of the world, the Josh Allen's of the world, Lamar Jackson, obviously. You know, he, he, he even just even without the pass rush, just being there for to sort of, you know, contain. Um, that's going to be hard for him to sit, I think. Yeah, the I'm yeah. curious with, with, with the, the stress that you have because they could have theoretically put him on injured reserve and just said, you know, put your feet up, see you in January. And I mean, I mean, this is a team that, obviously, if given the choice, they are gonna take. They're gonna take the division lead. They want to win the one seed. They want to. They want to get as high a positioning as they can. Because again, like the AFC is so tight this year that, and this is more of a broad, like a broad answer. But like the AFC is so tight this year, where it's like, if the five or six seed is the Dolphins, like, I, I, are you really gonna be surprised if the Bengals get the two seed? If all of a sudden they're hosting an AFC championship game because, like, I don't know, the, the Bills won the AFC and they lose in, in the divisional round. So y- you want to get as high of a seed as you can, but this isn't a team that's necessarily afraid to go on the road. They won two road playoff games last year, uh, went to the Super Bowl, obviously. So I, I think there you kind of have to – it's going to be a really hard conversation, like you said, because Trey Henderson's not that guy. But, it, it, you know, it, you'd almost it, – you don't want to say it's burning a roster spot to play Trey Hendrickson – but if you can only rush him in certain situations, if you can only play but they've certain shown that they've shown that they don't really mind that, to be honest. You know right. that they have some flexibility. Like that with they, the stinger. They well, no, no. I'm saying in terms of the active spots and having a guy. You know, T Higgins twice has gone through warmups or, or been early sits, and they've had him. You know, they were kind of they played ten snaps in the one game with the hamstring. Um, they haven't been afraid to burn an active spot and just have you know miss out on somebody. Um, to try to get the better player active. I think that the counter to that, though, is that they've been really healthy throughout the year, and now there are questions because you could burn a roster spot when you've got two guys, three guys that are questionable. Now, Tyler Boyd, uh, this is, and this is a good segue to the, kind of the rest of the roster. Yeah. Tyler Boyd, we don't know. He had a dislocated finger, uh, and his job is to catch passes. So that's, I mean, that's pretty difficult. So you got to worry about that. What's T. Higgins' hamstring like? We don't know yet. We have to see him. Pra- we have to, you know, wait till this practice report comes out on Wednesday. Hayden Hurst has a calf injury. Asai has a shoulder injury. Like, if if some of these guys or all of these guys are not going to be ready to play on Sunday, then you can't really burn the roster spot because then you're kind of hamstrung at what you can do in terms of your actives, your inactives, and your practice squad call-ups. So I think it depends. You, you can do that if you're relatively healthy. They're just not relatively healthy, or at least compared to what they have been. So I'm curious. I think that that is a little bit different when you compare, you know, the the that situation like you mentioned to now. Who were the five inactives on, on on Sunday? Evans, Evans, um, Deontay Smith, Deontay Smith, Jackson Carmen, Gunter. Jay Tufele was active. He didn't play. Uh, so Jay Tufele can be inactive. 
you know, if you have to add somebody. You know, like, they've got – I think they've got some wiggle room to be able to keep – if you're talking about keeping multiple, like – Evans, Dante Smith, Jackson Carmen, Hayden Hurst, Jeff Gunter. Yeah, Hayden so, Hurst was inactive, yeah. So, I mean, you know, you're talking about T, Tyler, and uh, him being uh, – Hendrickson all being kind of questionable – I think you could carry it two of the three and still be okay. All three, I think maybe you're, you're risking putting yeah. a position at a, at a bad disadvantage. But I, I think that they do have some flexibility still. Then they've shown that they are willing to use those. I mean, just because it's it, it's uh, I think it's advantageous to try. Um, you know, and I think receiver they are pretty confident now with what they've got beyond those guys that you could probably only go with one, you know, rule one of those guys out because, yeah. uh, you know, Trent Irwin and, and Trent Taylor have played well when they've needed them to. Sure. So um, I wouldn't be surprised um, if they do try to get, you know, if, if Trey's really, you know, pushing to play, you know, they, they give it a shot. Yeah, that's on that side. I think they're going to try to see what he could do, especially depending on just the prognosis and whatever uh, they see this week. But, yeah, I think with Boyd and Higgins, it's, it's kind of a toss-up between the two. I mean, I think with Boyd, if he's got a dislocated finger, I mean, I'd like to think, I don't know, that's tough. Because I think, did you guys see, I think someone said on Twitter, I forget who it was, it wasn't like anyone who officially covers the Bengals. I think it was one of the national writers who said it's, not a long-term thing for Boyd, but that he might not play I this week. I saw one to three weeks. Um, That's what I saw, too. Well, and, yeah. and, again, it's a dislocated finger. Like, we don't know if it's a dislocated finger that, like, popped through the skin. Yeah. Or if it's a dislocated – because then you're dealing with that. Like, I this, hope fans were nicer to him than Mike Hilton when they suggested yeah. he cut his finger off. <laughs> yeah. With, but a receiver mean, probably needs his finger more. Just a little bit. So you probably just, just aren't a tiny told, bit. told to uh, cut it off. Yeah. It's Unless like, it's his pinky. You which, can't Ronnie Lott this thing. Yeah. So um, we'll see. But yeah, like uh, one to three. I mean, it's a finger dislocation. Like I said, if it, if it dis, if it's a regular dislocated finger, you can pop that thing in. It's just a matter of it healing. But if it broke through the skin, then you got to deal with the skin healing. And this, there's a whole. Well, he did say it had to be washed out. That's what so I'm. That's so why. So I'm, yeah, 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 again, it might have popped yeah. through the skin. So which is which gross. Is that's a big issue. Which is yeah. gross. That's I think also gross disgusting. Yeah. yeah. I saw that happen. Yeah. I covered high school years ago. Oh no. And a girl, a, a, a girls game, and a girl. Like the ball about a basketball, and wow. the ball bounced off her finger, and she didn't know. She knew she like heard it, but then she looked at it, and you could see the bone sticking out of it, and the shriek, like the scream, you know, because it was such a surprise, yeah. was was quite memorable. Uh, I mean, Boyd looked well, like he was in pretty good big game. Yeah, Boyd yeah. He threw his helmet down. I was angry because it happened so early in the game. Yeah, I've never seen And they that. have the gloves, so they probably don't see it yeah. uh, uh, as right away. You have to take the gloves yeah. off. Does it come through the glove, too, is the question. Because I think a lot of people think of it like a dislocated finger or a dislocated shoulder as like you're in an agony, and then you go over to the sideline, and the trainer says, come here, pop, and then it's back in place, and you're like, all right, you're good now. Like, it's... It's a heck of a lot of hard to right. so like that, yeah, the Wolverine when it comes out of his uh, yeah. fingers. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah, because he was going for a pass, and uh, I think it was Deion Jones who jumped at him as he was trying to get a pass from Burrow, and then he just right away, like a split second later, just grabbed his hand. Like you said, we couldn't really see it because he had the glove on, but he slammed the helmet straight to the locker room, didn't see him. So yeah, the rest and of the it's day. not even a matter with Boyd. It's not even a matter of, like, is he healthy? It's like, like obviously that matters, but, like, are you going to have to tape the finger up to catch the like? Can you can you catch a ball like that? Like, is it going to is the finger going to be strong enough to catch a football? Like, and we don't know which uh, did he say? It he is his right hand. Right, but hand. he didn't say which finger. He didn't say which finger. And, and that, pinky, that matters too. Index yeah, finger, matters middle too. finger. We don't know. You got five. Yeah. I'm saying we, we don't know go which the, one. We're going to go through the other <laughs> fingers on your hand: the pinky, the ring, the middle, the pointer, uh, and the thumb. Uh, and obviously, you know. With uh, the, the discussion on Boyd and Higgins, so yeah, we can pretty much anticipate uh, Boyd 
is going to be probably not playing this week. Higgins, we'll just have to see how much he hurt his hamstring and how sore it is. We'll see that during the practice report. But, you know, assuming, let's say worst case. We look at the worst case scenario where you don't have Boyd, you don't have Higgins, and you have Jamar Chase, Trent Irwin, and Trent Taylor once again. And, of course, you probably could have Mitchell Wilcox because we talked about Hurst with his calf injury. I mean, they, they, they survived against Cleveland. They got the win, but... And I know we could talk about Tampa Bay more in a little bit later in the show, but how much can they get by with uh, that trio against the Buccaneers this week if it comes down to just those three? You well, don't I mean, have those, I, those I thought guys. Jimmy had a really good point yesterday on our podcast where he said, you can scheme some, some fun stuff up. You, you, you ran the flea flicker where, I mean, nobody was home, and it was a, it was a really well-executed play. You can run a trick play. They tried the Jamar play, which was, I mean, obviously ridiculous, like – Mike, I think you asked Zach about that in the press. That was a funny moment. But, like, you can try a couple of those things, but it's a lot different. Like, the, like with the Hendrickson thing, it, when the game's playing and there's adrenaline going and it's a heck of a lot harder to make adjustments, like, you can gut through it. Then when things calm down, it gets harder to come back from an injury. And then when it comes to game planning, it's a heck of a lot harder to kind of scheme things up when you don't have a T. Higgins or Tyler Boyd. So, um, I – it. I don't think it would be as hunky dory as everybody. Hunky would, dory. As hunky dory. I actually oh, like yeah. that term. I've used that before. I don't. Good. I All think right. that's a yeah. So demerit, you're not you're demerit, not weird for that. Don't, don't let Mike demerit. get on you. I don't think it would be as sunshine and rainbows no. as everybody thinks. All right. Well, um, what is the proper way to say that? I don't even know. Just don't. It would um, not be as good as everybody thinks. It's still it's too early in the week for Mike. But right I think now. it depends what Tampa Bay team you're getting. I mean, if you're getting the one that played. Uh, San Francisco. San Francisco. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it does, they've been one of the more inconsistent. Yeah. I mean, you know, they played. I think the most inconsistent. What was the comeback game they had? Was it against the Rams that he came back in like the final 50 that seconds? That was the Saints on Monday Night Saints. Football the last Saints. week. Um, you know, they played horrible for three and a half quarters, and then, you know, they couldn't, yeah. couldn't be stopped. Fourth quarter. Like, so it's like, yeah. it, you know, I, I think they're one of the more inconsistent teams, so it's probably a case where – I mean, you're looking at, at New England, that's going to be tough. And then Buffalo, um, Ooh, you know, uh, I think this is probably the, is it fair to say, easiest game of the four? Or just in terms of, like, you don't. Uh, it's either this or New England. Uh, you know, um, I, I just well, think at New England's going to be tough. I would, tough probably, to I would say that. I just, the only thing. That Especially would, if they get, if it, I mean, you know, that division's terrible. And so. Yeah. It's the worst in football. You know, does, does Brady elevate them this week? Because they seem to be going back and forth. So Because even if. 800 years old, Tom Brady scares me more than Mac Jones does. So sure, but I, I don't you, know you, where they've I got stand. the rest of the team. Yeah, you know, you got to do right. account for, and that defense, um, defense has did, talent. Yeah, just didn't show up know. last week. You know, it's like uh, I don't know. Good, so we'll see. Uh, it, 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 I think that'll be dependent on kind of how things go. And this team still does. Um, you know, DJ Reader and Sam Hubbard are playing at a really high level. Uh, yep. Hubbard's probably you know maybe playing his best football of his career right now, and, and Reader. Uh, the same, so I mean, you can absorb some hits up front when you've got other guys stepping up. Um, yeah. And and you know, we've talked about how that secondary, even without Shadobia Wuzier, is playing really well. So, you know, I, I don't think they'll, I don't think they're fretting missing a guy just because I, I think they have a lot of confidence in the rest of that room. So to those points, Mike, that you mentioned about DJ Reader, Sam Hubbard, and kind of setting the stage for uh, this weekend's game, we'll get to that more, plus some other rapid-fire Q&A on the show as you are listening to the Strictly Stripes podcast. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And thanks for staying with us on the Strictly Stripes podcast. Mike, you made a great, great point before the break that you almost kind of beat me to. You were reading my mind, and that is, yeah, I mean, if there's anything exciting about the defensive line outside of the injuries with Osai and Hendrickson, it's the fact that Sam Hubbard is playing the best football of his career. Six and a half sacks, he's just too shy of his career high in the season, which is about eight and a half. And then you have DJ Reader, who, man, are you glad to have him back if you're the Cincinnati Bengals. Four batted passes since he came back. He stopped Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt yesterday with some really nice tackle for losses, especially in the first half when Chubb just could not get any rhythm going. And with Hubbard, I mean, he had a sack on Watson, so he got to him. But there were so many times where if Watson doesn't throw the ball away like he did, including one where he actually got it off to Donovan Peoples-Jones, which I rewatched some of the tape this morning and I still couldn't believe it. But if he doesn't do that, Hubbard has like as many sacks as Miles Garrett did. I think Garrett had two, two and a half. So, I mean, you know, why do you think it is that, you know, Hubbard has always been this talented guy. We saw, I think, I saw it when he was coming out of Ohio State. I know Doug Maurice from uh, the other podcast we've been on before, he talks a lot about that because he covered him. I mean, why do you think it is that Hubbard is just playing his best football uh, and he's having this progression so far this season. You weren't paying attention again. You're gonna start answering a Cam Taylor Britt question. Um, so, <laughs> you know, no, why do I think Hubbard? Why do I think Hubbard's playing his best football? Cam uh, Taylor Britt was outstanding right. yesterday. So okay, so the backstory to that is, and I didn't say it on the podcast. So I was finishing up that Trey Henderson, like the immediate newser, and Muhammad asked a question like to me. And I started to answer it, and for some reason in my mind, I got it. it like I got it that he was asking a question about like the defensive evolution. So I was I started with Cam Taylor Britt, but it was about the run tackling. So afterwards, I look at Mike, and Mike was I was like, Mike, I had no idea what Muhammad because I called you out. He called me on it. I was just like, I have no idea what Muhammad was asking. I completely lost it, and I tried to spin it back and into like Cam Taylor Britt tries to get in the run game. Blah blah blah. Um, so why do I think Sam Hubbard's playing his best football? There you go. You um, are paying it. Just double checking. Yeah. Uh, so circling. I, back. He's a really good. He's a really good all-around player. Like he plays the run really well. Um, you know, he's obviously not one of those guys who's going to go out there and you know finish a year with like 17 sacks or anything like that. Uh, but he's just a really good all-around football player. Like it's uh, it's cliche, but he's fundamentally sound. You don't really see him get driven back a lot. He maintains uh, he maintains the edge really well. I think. He he just plays you know in a in a system, and all of the Bengals do really defensively, where it, it just kind of they kind of operate really well as a unit. So with, with Sam, like I said, I think it's just he's he he knows how to get home, but he's also a really good run defender. And when you have a guy like that who just does everything well, coaches love him. Like that's why whenever you talk to Lou, like Lou goes out of his way to praise Sam. Or Marion Hobby. When you have a guy who who just does everything the coaches tell him to do, like Sam Hubbard, I don't look, I don't know how many uh, times they've credited him with a missed assignment this year. It can't be a ton because he just you, you always kind of feel like he's always in position and um, you know, he, he just always kinda of does his job well. Is it fair to say Very good that, answer. It was on point. <laughs> Thank you. So to that, I mean, uh, for when he was drafted. Was, it, was he, that like on point to the question is what yes, you mean? Yes, okay, yes, yes. On top. No, relevant. I didn't relevant mean. Relevant to yeah, the right. Yeah, yeah, I hear yeah. you. 
when he was drafted in 2018 out of Ohio State, he was a third-round pick. Because obviously, like you said, uh, he was high enough to be in those early mid-rounds, but not high enough to be like a first-round pick where, you know, I don't think it was the same year as Garrett. It was the year after Garrett. So nowhere near like a Miles Garrett or a Jeffrey Simmons or anyone like that. But is it fair to say that the Bengals got a steal when they drafted him in the third round? No, I mean, I think he's been a productive player and he's shown flashes. But, I mean, you know, that's what you want to get out of those mid-round picks you want to get a, a starter that you know you know if you can i don't know the percentage but if you can get enough of them you're you're building in in the right you know you're building the team the right way um you know if he's like a guy that um you know i, I think is consistent like that i think that's how that's why the bengals have built a successful group and why they can kind of have some of the big cap hits they have at, at some of these other positions because they've drafted well at sort of those mid-rounds and gotten some of those guys. Yeah, I mean, it's a bigger conversation to have later, but you need those depth guys, those guys you're picking kind of later to at least, I mean, at the very least be contributors um, because when, when guys start to get paid and this team is young enough to where you have to start thinking about that, you need guys like that you're picking in the third, fourth, fifth round. Like, you need Cordell Volsons to play and become yeah. starters and become really good starters, so... Um, it's important, and you need like Zach seemed pretty confident with the team's depth, and um, you, like you know, like I said, you need those guys late because if you're a really top-heavy roster, you get to a point of the year where you know a Trey Hendrickson goes down, and then you kind of look at the depth, and you're like, oh crap! And now, if 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 you're drafting guys consistently throughout the roster like that, you don't really have to worry about it. Yeah, and I mean, you know, that's, that's a really good point. And of course, you know, there, he's always a feel-good story when you think about that fact that he's a Cincinnati kid, went to Muller, I think won. He won at least one state title, might have won two. I'd have to ask him that. But, I mean, in some ways, I like to think he's the Joe Burrow of the Bengals' defense. Like, he's, I think, um, as far as, like, being in Cincinnati, he's been there longer than any defender on Cincinnati's roster. Not the most experienced, because you do have DJ Reader, who we'll get to in a second. And Trey Hendrickson, I think, has one more year of experience. Michael Thomas, you know, Vaughn Bell, those guys have been around for a while. But he's seen it all. I mean, he wasn't even drafted by Zach Taylor. He was drafted by Marvin Lewis. He was one of Marvin Lewis's last ever draft picks because that was his last year as the head coach of the Bengals in 2018 he's been through that 2-14 season like he's seen it all he's been through the ringer and I think because of that and how good he is in spite of that that's a fair title to give him and I think a lot of people would agree with that but with DJ Reader I think another one of the best free agent signings I think Zach Taylor's made since he's been the head coach of the Cincinnati Bengals. I don't know if Zach Taylor made that. Well, Taylor and Duke yeah, Tobin. Yeah, I'm yeah, saying okay. since Zach Taylor's been here. Taylor and Duke Tobin, like since the two have been here together in Cincinnati. One of the best signings I think they've done uh, in that span. And it's funny, I was kind of looking through Twitter to see like if DJ Reader was getting any praise from like fans or people outside of like our immediate circle of Bengals media. And it seems like this guy's not really being talked about enough. And Joe Burrow even said after the game Sunday, I don't know why enough people don't talk about him. And he's right. I agree with him. I mean, do you think DJ Reader isn't getting the attention and respect he deserves? Because, I mean, who can pat basses, bat passes like that, get to the quarterback and stop Derrick Henry and Nick Chubb in a span of three weeks the way he does and the way that he does it with B.J. Hill by his side? T.J. Watt. I'm talking <laughs> defensive tackle. Defensive, no, I mean, I defensive mean, tackle. I, again, it's one of those things where it's like, one of those it, positions that's not. I mean, it's just not a 
glamour position. Right. And, and so I, you think I, it's I because know. of that? Like, do you think well, that's yeah, really sure. what it is? Sure. I mean, I mean, how many defensive tackles do you hear being talked about? I mean, really, it's, it's two. Aaron, yeah, you have Aaron, Aaron Donald, Donald and then, like, the guys that you get talked about, like... Jeffrey then, Simmons. Jeffrey Simmons, Chris Jones. But I don't think Jeffrey uh, Simmons gets talked a lot Hayward. outside of the Tennessee area. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, right. I, I, I think he gets talked about a decent bit, I mean, people, like, when people, like, when people, like, if you're a Broncos fan, I don't know, I just picked a team. If you're a Broncos fan playing the Tennessee Titans, you're not sitting there like, man... Jeffrey Simmons, like what a guy I've been watching him for eight years. Yeah, no, I, you're, I you're just like Derrick Henry's the I, guy. I, 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 okay, but I think in a couple years you do say that. Maybe not now because he's I, only it, played but, for three years. Like, but soon you say that. Like obviously, like look, it, this is gonna sound bad. DJ Reader's having an unbelievable year. He's having a Pro Bowl year. I think he's been excellent. Like you can look at just how the defense has played when he's in the lineup, when he's not on the lineup. Of course guys are going to say that he's amazing, right? And, like, again, PFF is not the be-all, end-all. I mean, they created – you can look at some of the grades that they do. And you're like, well, Reader's grade is an 89. Reader's grade – he's, he's also... currently the fifth-ranked defensive tackle. But, like, I don't know. Is Would you rather have – I'm looking at the list right now. Would you rather have Jeffrey Simmons or DJ Reader? Like, they play two different positions. You can kind of – they're asked to do different things. They're asked to do different roles. Sure. You, I think it's fair to say he's one of the better defensive – interior defensive lineman in the league at this point. Um, and how many positions outside of quarterback where are the fifth best player at your position, like right. held up as some sort of standard, you know, like linebacker or yeah. uh, strong safety. It's just, it's just the nature. If you're, it's a quarterback league, talk about the receivers yeah. and, and not even running backs anymore. Running back is a position that's not held up highly beyond like, you know, Derrick Henry. I mean, you know, Nick Chubb, who else gets talked about? So you, I think yeah, some like, of that stuff is like, you know, you, you, you root for your own guy, but I don't yeah. think he's sort of deserving of the Aaron Donald press. Because like you know, if you're the best player, uh, one of the best players in the league. You deserve more praise than the you know the fifth player, best player at your position. Where you know I I think he's a good player and he's a good starter and he's you know you want to have him on your team, but um, elite in terms of w- w- uh, t- at the top of the league, you know there's only a handful of those players sure, and like he's not sure. part no, of that. Definitely. Aaron Donald is probably he's hall of, he's a hall of famer. No, he's probably the best. Interior defensive lineman to ever play the to ever play in the game. Yeah, he's won three Defensive Player of the Year awards. He's a seven-time first team All Pro, eight-time eight-time Pro Bowler. He he was an interior defensive lineman. He was a sack leader. And I say all of those accolades because where does Aaron Donald get talked about in the scope of like, jo- like how does he, how does his conversation nationally compare to like Josh Allen? Like to, I'm further backing up Mike's point. Where does his conversation nationally back up to like Justin Jefferson? Aaron Donald's probably better at his position than he's better at his position than Joe Burrow is. He's better at his position than you know Josh Allen is like historically and now. But he's a defensive tackle, so I, I don't know how much really there there can be there. Like really, in terms of conversation. So to that point, and Mike mentioned we're in a quarterback league, kind of what I want to wrap up with. So since you – this is actually kind of – I wasn't going to ask, but I want to ask since you brought this up. Is Aaron Donald better at his position than – like if Tom Brady, for example, is a defensive tackle, is he still better than Tom Brady? I don't even know what that I don't means. Like, I mean, I guess it's kind of a like weird question, but like, like – like, relatively? Like you compare Jefferson and like the other players like – Yeah, well, the, the reason like, I say What about that Brady? Is, the reason I say that is because Aaron Donald's clearly far and away the best at his position, and they still don't talk about him like that. So, like, again, okay. like Mike said, I don't know – like, 
it, he's a defense like DJ Reader's playing having a great year, and that should in no way, shape, or form take away from anything. No, I get what you're saying. It's just, I do. Like Mike said, he's playing a non-glamour position, and he's playing a position like T. Higgins gets talked about way more than DJ Reader. Yeah, like you can like you can kind of go down the line and just talk about different guys on different teams and. So with Brady, I mean, the Bucks are 6-7. and seven. I think they are the most inconsistent team in football right now. I mean, does he just look old right now? Or do the Buccaneers just look old and washed? I mean, like, let's kind of set the stage for that because I'm looking at that game like I don't remember. I mean, I know that he hasn't had a lot of good games this year, but, like, that was the worst game he played against San Francisco. That was bad. Like, that was not a good game. And I understand, like I said, they are very inconsistent. I mean, do you think he'll be that bad next week? Do you think he'll be okay? I mean, like, where is Tom Brady in the grand scheme of things, and how much does that kind of help the Bengals out this week? Well, I, you, I think, you know, their their entire team is really, really injured. Um, sure. You know, you lose Kappa, and then... Who's on the dark side? Yeah, you lose <laughs> Kappa, and then uh, they the, uh, one of their guards retired, uh, Ali Marpet. Yes, he, he did. He retired in the offseason, kind of... Surprisingly, then you lose your then you lose a, the guy who was starting as your other guard. Then you lose Ryan Jensen, who was one of the better centers in the league. Sure, like so, I, I think that just it's kind of one of those years where like all has kind of fallen. And no, down. no more Rob Gronkowski. Um, He's gone. Yeah, no, yeah, you you lose a lot of guys. So and I, Mike I, Evans has looked a little bit rusty too. Yeah, th- there's just been a lot that's kind of gone up against the Bucks this year. Like they started out the year with two wins, and then since then they've kind of been a disaster. Like. Again, I'm really curious to see what they look like because it feels like they've gotten worse throughout the course of the year. I agree. Uh, and like when you get blown out 35, to, like that game was 35 to nothing against Brock Purdy. And like with all due respect to Brock Purdy and, and the, the thing, Niners defense, and the but things still. that Kyle Shanahan can scheme up, like that is not great. That is yeah. not where you want to be. So. Yeah, this game fascinates me for a lot of different reasons. Um, for playoff seating, for what the Bengals are going to look like health wise, but I'm also just so curious as to what, like, as a, just an NFL fan, what the Bucks are going to look like. Because t- who knows? Like, what is Tom Brady? What does Tom Brady show be- when his offensive line is kind of still hurt? Defense has some guys that are out. I think Antoine Winfield's hurt. Like. I don't know, and I think that that's just going to kind of be a theme of the week where it's we're just going to have to wait and see. Yeah, I mean, like, that that's all true. That's all fair. So I guess am I being harsh then by saying that a lot of it shouldn't be on Brady? Like, I, I mean, I get it. He's not playing his best football regardless of how the team is, but, like, how much of that 6-7 and seven record goes back to him? Like, you mentioned the injuries, but how much of it separate from that goes back to the way he's playing this year, do you think? His numbers aren't awful. Like they're he, not. He, no, no. He, that's what I'm saying. Like, it might be. It might be hard. He's only thrown five interceptions. Um, One of them touchdowns. came yesterday. Yeah. He's got a completion percentage that's almost sixty-six percent. Like he's still doing the things that make Tom Brady Tom Brady. Yeah. I mean, even if you look at his stats, like in some ways they're not far off from Joe Burrow's, which is not to say Brady's an MVP candidate because those days are long, long gone. I think this is his last year, by the way. But the point is. Uh, yeah, his numbers are not that bad. Maybe I was being a little bit harsh because I think when you're on such a high standard like he is, even if you put up numbers like you mentioned, you're going to think, oh, well, he's Tom Brady. He should be doing way more than that. And it's like, well, he's also 45, and he was almost retired completely in the offseason until he came back for reasons that are also debatable. But, yeah, I mean, I want to see, you know, with or without uh, Osai Hendrickson, how they get to Brady. I know B.J. Hill, uh, I'm sure that's, you know, somebody who wants to get to Brady because that's one of those guys where it's like, hey, 
he's 45 years old. Most players on the Bengals grew up watching this guy. I mean, think about this, and this is crazy. Joe Burrow would have been f like three and a half years old when Brady was drafted. So, I mean, and we'll talk about this this week because that's a story by itself. But who would have thought in the year 2022 we would have Brady versus Burrow? That's something I'd love to get more into on Wednesday. But that is just, you know, another thing that makes this game so fascinating. Like you said, Andrew, I'm really excited about it. And I want to wrap up with just a little bit of rapid-fire Q&A. Some quick questions that I hope I get some quick answers from you guys on. The first one is, I know he only has five picks this year, but does Tom Brady throw an interception on Sunday? No. Okay. Ooh, nice timing. Well, okay, okay, so you said no. I was going to say, if he said yes, who was going to get it, but okay. And I agree, I don't think he's going to throw one either. So then, who's going to throw a touchdown first, Brady or Burrow? Burrow. Burrow. I say Brady. I don't know why, but I have a hunch. I'm just, because of the inconsistency, you, you would think he wouldn't, but I think it'll be Brady. So then, you know, we talked a lot about the injury concerns, you know, at defensive end. Does Brady get sacked once on Sunday? Yes. I'm going to say no. More than once. I mean, I, I, I'm going to say no. I think I think the Bengals, with the injuries they have, are going to be held off the sack sheet. Let's assume, worst case scenario, you have no Tyler Boyd and no T. Higgins. How many passing yards? Or I guess, what is the minimum of passing yards that Joe Burrow throws for? If you had to like set a minimum for that, without those two receivers. Uh, what? <laughs> like like pa passing yards. Well, I mean, you should say you should say over under. Oh, yeah, over two seventy five would probably be a better way to. Would you say that. without those guys, he throws for over or under two hundred yards? Over two over two hundred. I would say the better odds with are the better number. Because he has thrown for the better less than number. That the better year. number without Higgins and Boyd would be something along the lines of like two fifty. I was gonna say like two fifty, two fifty five. Really. Yeah, it's yeah. Like well, it's he's, a, he's it's thrown for like, he's, twice. He's thrown for less than two hundred. The this Bengals, year. with all due respect to the rest of the Bengals receivers, they had Jamar Chase, who got almost half of Joe Burrow's targets, and Joe Burrow threw for like almost like what, like two fifty. But this was with and Jamar Chase, Chase too. had like one ten. So like with a, with a week to game plan, they'll be able to scheme up some stuff. It's harder to do it when you don't have those guys. But I think um, yeah, two fifty is a better number for that. Okay, so and, and and like I said, part of my reasoning for that was he has thrown for less than 200 this year and last year. Like even against I think Denver last year, he threw for like 176, which is a game they won. Interestingly enough, but I only say that because he had Chase and he had those other two guys in that game, those respective games. I mean, so that's why I think that by itself was another debate. But yeah, I, I like your all thoughts on that. Stay with us this week Wednesday. We're going to talk more about how Joe Burrow will outduel the aforementioned GOAT Tom Brady, along with what the offense will look more like as we get a better idea of how Higgins and Boyd look in practice this week, if they even practice this week, plus much, much more on this Burrow versus Brady matchup. Has a nice ring to it. But once again, for myself, Andrew Gillis and Mike Crash, I'm Muhammad Amon. See you Wednesday. Have a great day.